You can get Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21 up on the screen. I think I have it here. Amen. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed them on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion, say compassion, on them and healed their sick. And now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Father, you're the best. And you're not here for any other way. We didn't put you here. So we can't remove you. And Father, I ask that you just move with the miraculous, change our lives, change our hearts, change our perspectives. Father, and I pray that you change our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody says? Amen. What happened here is they had just heard, they just got news. There's, this story here is one of the few in the Gospels that you'll find in all four Gospels. So in order to kind of get a complete picture of what's going on, you have to read each Gospel and see different angles because they all bring something to the table. And I wanted to read Matthew because he gives a little better detail. But we're going to look at a few. And what happened was John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was just killed by King Herod. John the Baptist, the one that baptized Jesus Christ, was just killed. He was beheaded. He was beheaded for telling the truth, like we're supposed to do. Huh? Sometimes the truth is going to offend people. We ain't supposed to do it trying to offend people. We're supposed to do it with love, trying to help people. But nevertheless, no matter how kind you speak the truth, the truth in itself will offend people. And because John, uh, 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 John the Baptist spoke the truth, he lost his head. And so right after they hear this story, they want to kind of retreat. They were also doing a lot of missionary work. And they wanted to go retreat to a place and kick back, say kick back. They wanted to find a place where they could all just be alone and relax and regroup and hear from God again what next he wants them to do. But when they get there, they see a crowd there already. They're trying to get away from the towns and the cities and find a desolate, isolated place. But when they get there, it's crowded. There was a feast happening in that area. And they had heard that Jesus was going there or they could see him going there by boat. And so they follow him. And when he gets there to relax and have some me time, 
he sees a crowd. And it says that he was full of compassion. You see, you might get tired from time to time with things. And you might want a me time at times. But there might be a need coming up in your life. There might be people that need to hear the gospel. What are you going to do? Put them off because you want to go to a hotel or a vacation or something else? Or are you going to be like Jesus Christ? We're called to be more like Jesus Christ. And here it said that Jesus Christ was full of compassion. So I'm going to ask you, what are you full of? Huh? I know if I asked you right now, you would say, full of honesty, compassion, integrity, of course. So I won't ask you. I'll ask your wife. <laughs> huh, moms? I'll ask your children. Huh? Ministers? I'll ask those that you're in the trenches with. What will I get back? Full of anger, bitterness, selfishness, impatience, these kind of things. But if you want to be more like Jesus Christ, what you need to do is see the need and get moved with compassion. And it says here that after he heard, he seen, and he had compassion, that he went about touching and healing the sick. In other words, we don't want to be full of compassion, that we just have an emotion, that we just have a feeling, but we want passion. Passion is compassion with action. Passion is compassion with action. We don't want compassion that lets you just sit still and feel for somebody. But we want you to have compassion that when you see a need, you got to do something about it. That you can't sit there thinking about your your own personal desires. You could say, hey, yes, man, I came here to relax, man. Yes, I came here to kick it with my disciples so we can regroup. We've been going through things. Uh, we've been having it rough by all rights, man. We should be able to kick back, but we want to be filled with compassion that won't let us kick back, but we got to do something for the people that need it. This crowd that came to Jesus. This is unlike any other story in the Bible right here. Other times, they might have carried one guy to Jesus. There might have been one person that reached out and touched Jesus. But this whole crowd came because they had needs. It says that there was 5,000 counted. What does that mean? Huh? They didn't count women and children at that time. Okay? Thank God for women's lip. <laughs> Female lives matter. <laughs> but at that time, they counted households in the man of the, of the house, and they only counted the men. So this kind of represents families. So 5,000 can easily be 15, 20, 25,000 people. There's more people here than the Sermon on the Mount. This is the largest crowd documented in the Bible that was around Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And these weren't just following to hear something. Follow me. So they go to this place and he sees the crowd and 
He's full of compassion. But I want to show you something in verse 6, verses five, chapter 6 of John, verses 5 and 6, if I may. Chapter 6 of John, verses 5 and 6. What's up, homie? All right. <clears throat> verses 5 and 6 of John. It says, when Jesus looked up and saw a crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Next verse. He asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was about to do. Huh? You see, what happens is there's 5,000 people counted. Another version or the other versions will say that he's there healing them. And that he's there preaching for them. And he's there ministering to them. And it says evening was coming. What does that mean? It means he was a victory outreach preacher. He was long-winded. Huh? You know, they went with their pastor and they thought they were going to have a vacation. And he's working. Huh? Okay, well, man, maybe he'll be over in a little bit. But all of a sudden, nighttime comes. When's this pastor going to end? It's 2 o'clock. I already missed the football game. Huh? But your pastor keeps preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. So you start getting together the leadership. And you say, hey, man, there goes pastor preaching all day. I'm hungry. They go, that's it. Go tell them that the people are hungry. So they say, Pastor Joe, you go tell them. Uh, so he goes and tells them. He says, hey, um. Good message, Pastor. You're the bomb. And by the way, I thank you and I love you and Sister Chella and all you guys here. All you guys here. Every day I trip out, man. What am I doing here? Uh, I should be in prison or dead. But I'm right here with you guys. What a great God. Thank you, Jesus. And so he tells He tells him. We got the best pastors in the outreach. And so he tells Pastor, he says, hey, uh, Pastor, great message. Man, the crowd's great but because we love the crown and we don't want to lose them, shouldn't we let them go eat? Shouldn't we let them go eat? And pastor says, you care about the crowd? Huh? You really care about the crowd? Yeah, yeah, that's top priority, pastor. Well, then you feed them. Huh? What? Yeah, you feed them. You care about them? Huh? You see, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, send the crowd away. But Jesus knows that really what you're saying is you want the crowd to go because you're not really caring about the crowd's needs, man. What you're really caring about is that hole in your own stomach. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to test you something. What God and Jesus is always doing is he's taking life situations and he's turning them into illustrations. He's trying to teach us a lesson, my friend. He's trying to teach you how to stretch and grow where the real blessings are where the real miracles are you gotta get out of filling your stomach and your needs and start getting into the needs of others and so he's trying to teach them and he says you feed them and Pastor Gerald says alright so he comes to the rest of the ministers huh? and Paul Torres says what did he say <laughs> Pastor Paul Torres 
And he goes, what? He said, for us to feed them. How are we going to feed them? Eight-month wages cannot feed. Thank you, sir. Cannot feed these people. Huh? In other words, has God ever asked you to do something? Has God ever asked you to do something that you can't see how you could do it? So you come up with excuses hoping, he says, that's right, forget it. That's right, forget it. So they go back to Jesus and they say, because Andrew, most of them are saying, we can't feed him. But Andrew went out and found this kid with a lunch. And he must have been from Decoto. He said, come here, kid. Trust me. Give me your lunch. And he tells Jesus, all we got is five loaves of bread and two fish. You see... In the meeting, they said, yeah, go tell them that's all we got. And Jesus is going to say, that's all you have? Then forget it. But see, Jesus is trying to teach something. He's trying to get us to another level of belief. He wants to get us where we can live in the miraculous. He wants to get us to where we can live in the blessing world. Huh? He needs to change our focus. Say focus. He needs to change our perspective. To where you see in your own hands that nothing can be possible. That the call of God that he has on your life, you can't see it possible. The marriage that he wants to have in your life, you can't see it possible. The children that you have, their futures, you can't see that it's possible. But he wants you to see something. That you're looking at things in your own hands. And that way, it is impossible. So he tells the disciples, tell them to sit down in groups of 50. So Pastor Darrell goes back to the pastors. He says, and Paul says, what do you say now? And he says, he says, for us to sit this crowd down in, crowd, in, in groups of 50. What? Have you ever tried to get five people to sit down together? Crowds of 50, how are you going to do this? Have you ever been over a ministry? Huh? And you know that God wants to do things through you for your ministry, but you look at the people you're working with? Uh, probably felt just like these guys. How do I get them to sit down in groups? How do I get them to work together? Huh? My God. It's hard enough to get my own children to sit together, let alone these people. Huh? They were doubting their ability to do what God was asking them to do. Do you understand? But they got them to sit down in groups of 50 on the green grass, nice grass. He says, bring, bring the loaves of bread and fish to me. How many loaves were there? How many fish were there? Is that enough to feed 5,000? He gets it, and the first thing he does is he lifts it up, and he blesses it. Before the miracle can happen with what you have, 
be thankful for it. You might think that you don't have enough finances in your life. Before it multiplies, you got to learn how to appreciate what you have. I didn't want to preach this to you. I wanted to change it. Because dang it, if God don't work through me before I can preach to you. You want to see a miracle in your life? Learn to be thankful for your marriage. You want to see your children change? Go to bed thanking God for your children every night. Learn to be thankful for the not enough. God is not going to bless the not enough until you appreciate the little bit that you do have. That's the first step before anybody can step into the blessing realm. You can be dissatisfied with what you have and keep complaining and asking God, why haven't you changed it? And he's saying, when are you going to be thankful and grateful for the little bit? Hallelujah. So he lifts it up. And he gives thanks. And then he begins to break it. <laughs> he begins to break it. And he gives it to the disciples. And he tells them to pass it out. Now, sorry, Pastor John. <clears throat> There's only five loaves of bread. Now he breaks one and gives it to you, tells you to pass it out to 5,000. You're like, five loaves wasn't enough. Now just a piece of one. My God, you really. And so you go and you say, here, just take a piece. Don't take much, please. <laughs> take a little bit. But as he's breaking it, and as you're being obedient, it's multiplying. Huh? Huh? As he's breaking it, his father is multiplying it. Do you follow me? And he gave it to the hands of the disciples for them to pass it out. Jesus didn't pass it out himself, but he gave it to the hands of his disciples. Sometimes, man, you're not going to always be able to get to Pastor Esteban, but he's going to say, Pastor Toby, be a pastor over some of these men. Pass out the blessings, man. Go out and show them the miracles. Pastor Darrow, go pass these out over here. Sister Bev, cover these over here. You gotta be able to receive the blessings from the workers that Jesus sends to you. You're not always gonna be able to get to the top guy. Do you understand? You can't be one of those. Oh no, no, no. I'm only gonna get from Pastor, not you. Hallelujah. You gotta be able to receive from whoever brings it, whoever God is using. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, there's five loaves, two fish brought to Jesus when he lifts it up. We know the count. But what was the count after it started breaking? <laughs> That's where the miracle begins. That's where we lose count. 
It says that after there was 12 baskets filled, he said, go gather the leftovers. There was 12 baskets filled with leftovers. Okay? Why leftovers? Why did he tell the disciples to get it? Huh? They were going to go on another boat ride, right? For uh, lunch, maybe? With leftovers? <laughs> this is a whole nother message, but I'll hit it anyway if I may. Huh? Because it ain't what you had given out already. Huh? Okay? Your next victories ain't in your yesterdays. It's in what you got left. Come <laughs> on. Come on. He sends them into a storm. They start panicking in the storm. It says that they had forgot the lesson of the bread. And he even sent the leftovers with them, 12 baskets. You know, I was tripping the other day. We had uh, Tony Kemp here. Why did we bring Tony Kemp here? We wanted people to witness miracles with their own eyes. We want people to start believing in a miraculous God. We want people to start claiming and walking and believing in miracles in their lives, in their marriages, in their families, in their ministries, and in the call and purpose on your life. I know that most of you have heard the call of God, but you think that you can't do it. Moses thought he couldn't speak. You have to know that it's not going to happen in your realm of capabilities. It only happens in total surrenderance to God. When you surrender... Is where he'll bless it. But he don't want to stop in the blessing. He needs to break you. So he can multiply you. So he can pour out through you. To the multitudes. And so we bring in Tony Kemp. So we can experience miracles. So we can see this and start believing. So our perspectives can change. But what happens before most of us even leave the building? The Bible has numerous stories where people experience miracles. And only one of them will respond correctly. The rest of them will go on business as usual. I guarantee you, a lot of us before we left this building started doubting. Even some of those that had their legs grow the other night. By the next day, you were allowing another voice in your head rob the seed that was planted right here. Right here, you're believing that there's a miraculous God. Right here, you're believing, I've seen a miracle. Right here, your heart was touched. By the next day, you're allowing words to come in your head that maybe it was coincidence. And maybe you do believe there was a miracle. It said that the disciples were disturbed because they, did, they forgot the lesson of the loaves and their heart were hardened. 
That means this. They walk into a storm. They drive into a storm in the boat, and they start panicking. What happened? They just experienced a miraculous God. They just seen a God that can change nothing into everything. And yet now they have a little storm in their life, and they begin to panic. I bet you there's some people the very next day they experience miracle. All of a sudden had situations. And they begin to panic. Excuse me. I'm old. But it's not what's behind me. It's what I got left. God's going to multiply it. Uh, I'm Pastor Paul, Manuel, Daryl. <laughs> it's what we got left. God's going to multiply. Uh, hallelujah. You see, your future, your future battles are going to depend on if you learned the lesson that was just behind you. They didn't learn the lesson. They forgot the lesson. And so they started panicking. But if you learned a lesson with Tony Kim, if you learned a lesson on all these sermons, your next battle, you're guaranteed the victories. But you're going to lose the victory that's coming your way if you forgot the lesson that was behind you. We need to learn, man. Don't easily be ripped off and forget, man. Do you understand? I'm way off my notes. I don't even have none. But if you've been broken, you know what I'm talking about. The most blessed people I know have been broken. Huh? Broken greatly. I thank God for breaking me. Oh, I thank God for breaking me. During the breaking process, I wasn't thanking him. <laughs> no, that girl's trying to hurt me. That dude. <laughs> keep him away from me. Those people over there, well... I mean, you know, we would have never kicked it with them before, right? Huh? But you know, when you go ahead and you say, you know what? I'm going to stop tripping and God do whatever you want to do in my life and break me. And when you allow the breaking, you come out a better person. Way more than when you went in. <clears throat> you see, I'm here to tell you that God wants to bless you. Huh? But you can't just be blessed. God wants to break you. Huh? If you'll be broken, you'll learn what those disciples should have learned that day. And you'll learn what the crowd could have learned that day. You see, they seen the bread broken. They seen the fish broken. And they seen it multiplied. But they stayed the same. Huh? When he begins to break the bread and the fish, that's when the miracles begin to happen. When he begins to break you in your marriage, when he begins to break you with your children, when he begins to break you with your finances, when he begins to break you in your ministry, when he begins to break that mentality that tells you that if you surrender to God, you're going to lose. I said, some of us think that when you surrender to God, you're going to lose. Some of you want to answer the call of God in your life. And you think that if you answer the call of God in your life, that you're going to lose. 
I'm going to tell you something, man. It's after the breaking where you come out like a fat rat in a cheese factory. That's where the blessings are. You lose if you're scared and you don't surrender. The lie is, if you surrender, you're going to lose. But I serve a God that wants to bless us. I serve a God that's your loving Father. I serve a God that is more than enough. I serve a God that spoke into nothing and made everything. I serve a God that created everything. He's not going to leave you hanging. But as long as you hold on to what you have, and don't surrender it, that is all you're going to have. And it will always be not enough. That little boy would have said, uh, Andrew, go get your own lunch. <laughs> uh, this is my first time seeing Jesus. And I brought a lunch, dude. <laughs> You've been walking with him for how long? You know he's long-winded. Go get your own lunch. If it had held on to his five loaves and two little fishes, it would have remained five loaves and two fishes. It was in the surrenderance. It was in the giving it up. In your hands, whatever you have is meager. It's never enough. huh? But when you give it up, that's when the multiplication and the miracles are able to begin. It's in the breaking, though. Huh? It's in the breaking. Well, Pastor Greg, I've been surrendering, but have you been breaking? Have you been breaking for your children? Have you been breaking for that one thing that you just can't see it working out? That one thing that's bringing you drama? That one thing that is bringing you chaos? Have you really surrendered that yet? My friend, that's your fish sandwich. That's your fish sandwich. You got to give up your fish sandwich. God wants your life to be part of a miracle. He wants your life to be a miracle. He wants your life to be where he can work miracles in and through to bless you and everyone around you. If he can do it through a little boy, an insignificant boy who didn't even count. Come on, somebody. Huh? He got something that wasn't enough from somebody who didn't even count at Victory Outreach. This is our message, man. We were not counted or we were counted out. This boy was not counted. And yet, because of what the boy offered, the little meager thing that he offered, the little thing that you have, you might say, well, what do I have to offer? I don't have but this. And I don't have but that. You might even think that your better years are past you. But I want to tell you, my friend, your better years aren't behind you. Your better years are in front of you. It's what you use the little bit you have. If you hold on to it or if you surrender it to God, your better years are yet to come. He used a boy that wasn't even counted. Huh? And that boy got to see God do significant things with an insignificant boy. 
through a surrender. He can do it through a boy. And he can do it through you. I keep wanting to put the cert in there. I'm addicted. Huh? What's God asking you to give up? <laughs> yes, Vince. Actually, it's a great question. <laughs> Certs. What's he asking you to get rid of? I know a lot of us have been battling. You know that God has gifted you. And you know that God has talented you. But it wasn't for you to just do mediocre little things. It's to multiply and do great and mighty things through you. But you're scared. Can I be honest? All your excuses in the Greek, you know what they call them? But in the Hebrew, it's <laughs> You're holding on to it. Let go of those excuses. Give what you have left to God. Give the last few years or whatever you have, a lot of years. Give it to God and watch him multiply it. Huh? Do you believe? Huh? You see, he hasn't blessed your marriage or whatever you've been having in your hands because he's waiting for you to get to where you can give it to him. It ain't in our hands that the miracles, it's in his hands. And as he began to break it, then he placed it back in the disciples' hands. Come on, somebody. What is it you're holding on to? What is it that God's asking you to let go of? What is he asking you to surrender to? I'm here to tell you, release it through surrenderance and place it in his hands. As a, um, no, it's okay, say it. No, I'm just, just kidding. Come on. Keyboard player in here, he steps in. Give him a hand clap. big part of our magicians everywhere else and leaders was because they had to fill a spot and they didn't know how to play or whatever. And now they became some of the greatest players. You know, God doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. And he chooses those that rise up and say, here I am. I heard that baseball coaches don't pick people that don't show up to tryouts. You have to show up to get, bit, to get picked. You can sit knowing that you have good preaching, teaching skills, or that you work good with people, that you know you can help. But as long as you're not willing to give it up, it's going to stay in your knowledge. And it's always going to seem meager. And it's always going to seem insignificant. Your relationships, they're going to continue bringing drama and chaos because you're keeping them in your hands and you're going to keep trying your ways and you're going to get more tired. God wants you to get tired to where you surrender. But we can surrender without hitting the end because you will hit your limit. But he has none. Put it in the hand 
of a man that has no limits. You might get tired of forgiving, and he continuously forgives. You might run out of patience, but he doesn't. Whatever it is that God's asking you to release into his hands, it might be a relationship, it might be finances, it might be fear. I don't know what it is. But I know that God wants to bless you. Everybody please stand. There's areas in your life that you know can be more. There's stories in the Bible that people settled for less. They knew that they could or should have more, but they just settled for less. There's areas in your life that you know could be better or more. There's people and situations or desires that you need to just give to God. I said there's people, places, things, and desires that you just need to put in his hands. Why is it so hard to surrender to God? But I want to ask you something. What's there to fear? What's there to fear? What miracles would you like God to work in and through your life? Every eye closed. Every eye closed. If you've never heard about this guy,